Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Why not take a break from the holiday madness for a free walk with us? Ocean State Bird Club features year-round walks, lectures, informal gatherings, and more. We're online at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org and Facebook. Plus, a membership makes an easy holiday gift. Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 760. A few months ago, we started inviting listeners to send us stories about their experiences with birds and birding, and we've received some great ones. Among the newest is from one of our Talking Birds ambassadors in Hawaii, Kamoela, Hawaii. It's Lance Tanino, who sent us a story about sea watching, viewing seabirds from shore in his beautiful state. Lance's story is easily found on our TalkingBirds.com website under the heading Listener Stories right at the top of our homepage. And we'll hear more about sea watching with this morning's special guest, Nick Lund, here on this morning's show in just a few moments. Also coming along shortly is our mystery bird contest. Here's a preview. That would be the sound of our mystery bird. Kind of a medium-sized perching bird with a black barred brown back. Oh, there's a clue. A black tail and a white I mouth. think it's a jackhammer, Ray. Jackhammer yeah. is it. Yeah. Its underwings are yellow in the eastern form and red-orange in the western form. Our bird can hammer on trees till the sun goes down, but prefers to find its food on the ground. Ants are a favorite. That's a preview of our mystery bird contest, and here's a preview of the prizes. The Droll Yankees' original, iconic A6F classic tube feeder. The one that others imitate but can't really duplicate. It comes with a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. Bonus prizes, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. That's the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. Here's another bonus prize at the end of the season here. Your very own Cornell Lab of Ornithology 2020 calendar. A year with the birds. It's a beauty. So those are our prizes on our mystery bird contest coming up a little bit later on in the show. Meanwhile, more challenges for birds. According to an article this week in the New York Times, a 2017 Trump administration policy change has severely limited any penalties groups might face for bird deaths across the United States. The article describes how dozens of bird preservation efforts have faltered as a result of the changes to the Migratory Bird Treaty Act of 1918 and how across the country birds have been killed and nests destroyed by oil spills, construction crews, and chemical contamination. The changes allow for the incidental taking or killing of migratory birds as long as that taking or killing is not intentional. So it means companies can move or destroy eggs, nests, or birds themselves as long as there's a reason for doing it, like construction or day-to-day business. You can find a CNN summary of the Times story right now 
at TalkingBirds.com. Meanwhile, the American Bird Conservancy is among those fighting back against this with a petition aimed at restoring migratory bird protections and creating a permitting system to reduce preventable bird mortality from industrial and governmental activity. You can find and consider signing that petition on our website, TalkingBirds.com. Thanks to a couple of New England Talking Birds ambassadors, Nick Cart in Lebanon, New Hampshire, and Jeff Collins in Hingham, Massachusetts, for alerting us to those stories. Thank you, Nick and Jeff. Meanwhile, most of us like food trucks and Amazon deliveries, but do we want them in our national parks? And do we want to see new restrictions on senior discounts at park campgrounds during peak holiday seasons? Conservation organizations and senior citizen advocates, respectively, certainly don't think so. We have a link on our website to a Los Angeles Times story about these actions now being considered by the Interior Department. In a national park, figures prominently in our conservation salute of the week. It goes to Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema, who has introduced the Grand Canyon Centennial Protection Act, which would make permanent a ban on new uranium mining on about a million acres of public lands adjacent to Grand Canyon National Park. A companion bill has already passed the House with bipartisan support, following an effort by tribal members and leaders, especially the Havasupai tribe, with the support of the Hualapai, Hopi tribe, Navajo Nation, National Congress of American Indians, and the Intertribal Council of Arizona. A coalition of business owners, local government leaders, conservation groups, and others who opposed uranium mining in the Grand Canyon region also endorsed the House bill. National Parks Conservation Association's Kevin Dahl says the association applauds Senator Sinema for her leadership and support for advancing the call to permanently protect the Grand Canyon from uranium mining. So our conservation salute of the week to Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema. There's a little Grand Canyon music there along the trail. Well, we'd also like to salute some new Talking Birds ambassadors. They are wonderful listeners who have become ambassadors in helping to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. And we salute and thank Betsy Howland from Belchertown, Massachusetts, hard by the Quabbin Reservoir, which supplies water to the city of Boston and other communities as the largest man-made reservoir, or one of the largest in the country, and a big birding destination as well. And Betsy says she's looking forward to sharing our show with others. Thank you so much, Betsy. And thank you to Sarah Hartman from Los Angeles, California, and Shallow Brook Drive, Dot com. Sarah says she's doing what she can to build awareness about birds, birding, and all things nature and sustainability, with a particular focus on shifting young adults' attention from their phones to the world around them. Perfect. <laughs> Please, do that more. <laughs> and that shallowbrookdrive.com is Sarah's website with lots of wonderful stuff for birders and bird lovers. Shallowbrookdrive.com. Com. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family by allowing us to send you some of our little info cards for you to hand out at your convenience to friends and neighbors and fellow birders to join the family. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. No G in Talking. Click on the Get Involved button 
and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll welcome Nick Lund, a.k.a. The Birdist, to this morning's show to get his thoughts on sea-watching or viewing swell seabirds without dealing with ocean swells. Plus, did you get some new binoculars for Christmas? Our man Mike O'Connor will offer some tips on best ways to utilize their capabilities in our Let's Ask Mike segment. And up next, the bird that provided the inspiration for the characters of the Heckle and Jekyll cartoon show is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Tally-ho, and away we go! There they go, those famous TV magpies of yesteryear, Heckle and Jekyll, cartoon characters based on today's featured feathered friend, the yellow-billed magpie. Heckle and Jekyll were pretty smart birds, which is not surprising, considering that the yellow-billed magpie, like its close relative, the black-billed magpie, is a member of the highly intelligent corvid family, which also includes, among others, crows, ravens, jays, and nutcrackers. The gregarious yellow-billed magpie, striking in its colors of black, white, and shimmering blue-green with a bright yellow bill, is found in California, and only California, in oak woodlands of the Central Valley, the Central Coast, and in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains. Yellow-billed magpies forage mostly on the ground, feeding on insects and other invertebrates, along with acorns and grain, and lots of other things, including carrion, eggs, nestlings, and rodents, which they hunt from a perch, on foot, or from the air. It was John James Audubon who gave this bird its scientific name, Corvus Natale, in honor of his fellow naturalist, Thomas Nuttall, who collected early magpie specimens near Santa Barbara, California. His name is also affixed to the oldest bird club in North America, the Nuttall Ornithological Club of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Today's featured feathered friend and the inspiration for TV's Heckle and Jekyll, the yellow-billed magpie. Welcome again to our show, number 760. If you haven't checked out our beautiful new Talkin' Birds website, we invite you to do so, TalkinBirds.com, and hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Talkin' Birds. Well, going out on the ocean looking for seabirds like petrels and puffins, guillemots and gulls, shearwaters and skuas, tropic birds and terns can be really cool and very exciting. It can also be difficult, if not impossible, and sometimes rather unpleasant for folks who don't tolerate ocean swells very well. It's a lot of people. So what's a seasick-prone seabird seeker to do? Well, one answer may be found in sea-watching, viewing seabirds from a solid and secure footing on dry land. And to tell us about sea-watching and some of his favorite places to do it is our friend Nick Lund, a.k.a. Joining us from his perch in the great state of Maine, where he now serves as outreach and network manager for Maine Audubon and contributes his writings to National Audubon's Audubon.org and to his own site, thebirdist.com. Good morning, Nick. 
Good morning, Ray. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I know you're okay going out on those boats, Nick, to watch seabirds, but not everybody is uh, so uh, capable. So you have some good alternative ideas here. I do, and I'm fairly okay. I mean, I'm generally okay on pelagic, but I've had my moment. Uh, the the, uh, the heavy seas get to us all one time or another, and so it's always good to have some backups. And thankfully, uh, sea watching has a number of advantages over the old uh, rocky boats. You can, you know, you're standing in one place, uh, which means you can use a scope, uh, so you can see a lot further. Um, you're generally warmer and uh, closer to restrooms and food uh, on land. <laughs> so, you know, you sea watching, if you mm-hmm. pick the right place and location, you can get pretty much all the same bird you can get out on a black mm-hmm. boat. Um, uh, while, uh, you know, keeping your lunch with you, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, the, the advantages <laughs> are piling up here. And, They're uh, piling you, up. You've, you've, uh, you've picked some locations for us kind of all around uh, the country or North America here. Um, I thought maybe we could start off since we're, um, we're in the winter season. You, you uh, recommend one place that's good any season for sea watching, Point Pinos, California. Yeah, California, out in Monterey Bay. You know, it's one of the most storied locations for birding of all kinds. Um, Mm -hmm. And the Sea Watch from Point Pinos uh, has pretty much got it all. Pretty much everything you could hope to see um, on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And that includes um, shorebirds, uh, like black oyster catcher, uh, or, you know, paddlers wandering, going up and down the coast. Or um, lots and lots of shearwaters, maybe an albatross if you're lucky. Um, all there from from the shore. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, it's you know a, a really famous location for um, because it's out there sort of on a spit. Um, lots of land birds, lots of vagrant birds, and so uh, if the if the seas aren't productive at that time, you may look around in the trees nearby and see all all kinds of different stuff. So uh-huh. uh, Point Pinos is a is an exciting one. And uh, I read somewhere here that it's at least 225 species identified. Uh, from that era. That's uh, that's pretty substantial. Not bad. And there are great resources online if you want to go out there, uh, maps of where to sea watch and what what seasons to to, uh, be there and where to park, things like that that are really helpful for birders. All right. Now, spring is not very far away. It's almost January. And uh, one of the places great for spring and fall, seabird, um, uh, sea watching, Whitefish Point, Michigan. This is the one place on the list that I've actually watched some birds from. Oh, not I'd on love the to hear sea. About it. I have not been there. Tell me yeah. how it was for you. Well, it was really spectacular. You know, it's uh, it's not on the sea. Obviously, it's fresh water, but right. you'd you'd hardly know it except for the no salt air kind of thing. Right. Yeah. You know, the Great that's, Lakes uh, are yeah. sort of an underrated spot to see yeah. lots of good seabirds. And that's uh, Lake Superior, by the way, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. Up on the the, the northern edge of yeah. the. Uh, of, uh, of uh, Upper Peninsula, the Michigan. Upper, the UP, right. Um, did you see anything memorable out there? Do you remember what you saw? Well, this was, a wh- this was a while ago. I do remember seeing some scoters out there, lots of terns and gulls, and uh, but there are well, there Jaegers are seen there, right? Long-tailed ducks. Yeah, Jaegers, long-tailed ducks, um, you know, eiders, scoters, all the things you can see, um, you know, that I'm used to here on the coast of Maine on the on the ocean. Uh, you can see at one time or another from uh, Whitefish or other parts of um, Lake Superior or the Great Lakes. Um, it's a really uh, sort of underrated sea watch because it's not a sea, but you get just as many birds. 
Yeah, and you can drink the water, I guess, right? I don't know. <laughs> you want to. I don't want to recommend that. I, 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 no, I, I think I, that's I, an official yeah. Ray Brown recommendation. Go drink <laughs> oh, the water. Yeah, thanks a lot. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's move into a summer location here. Um, Cape St. Mary's Ecological Reserve, Newfoundland and Labrador. Oh, man. Oh, man, Ray. I was there <laughs> this summer, and it was one of the best experiences of my birding life, hands down. Hmm. Um, Cape St. Mary's is a gannet colony um, uh, on the rocky um, coast of southern Newfoundland. It's right near um, St. John's, Newfoundland, the capital, where you fly in. It's like an hour away, and it's just absolutely spectacular. You walk out on this beautiful, these beautiful cliffs, and then there are just hundreds of thousands of gannets and razorbills and murres and thick-billed mm-hmm. murres and um, kittiwakes all wheeling and flying around. You don't even need binoculars yeah. out there. Um, it's it's the best way to see birds up close is to actually go to their colony. You know, a lot of sea watching, a lot of pelagic seabirding, you're just sort of hoping to catch birds in transit or hoping to catch them um, on feeding grounds. Um, if you really want to see birds, you got to go to where they're nesting. And so a colony mm-hmm. like this, you're guaranteed to see the birds and you're guaranteed to see them up close. And I noticed you had an ac- uh, a note that it's easy access, which is easy kind of nice too. Uh, absolutely. You, you park and you just walk down this beautiful little trail, uh, and, and there you are. Um, it was really uh, one of the most fun experiences of birding I've, I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I, I recommend it to everyone. All right, we're getting a little tight on time, so let's quickly go through two more here. One is Utkadavik, Alaska, formerly Barrow, Alaska, but they've gone back to the original name there. Yeah. I think you nailed the pronunciation there. A lot most people know it as Barrow. It's up way on the northern uh, edge of Alaska on the on the Arctic Sea. Um, it, you know, takes some real effort to get there. But when but the real draw is this beautiful little gull, a very rare and sought after gull, the Ross's gull. Um, uh, it migrates past uh, this spot in October is the peak time, um, and it's really one of those sort of dream birds um, that is incredibly rare anywhere else uh, other than uh, Barrow. Uh, and so um, worth worth the trip. You get a chance at a lot of other cool birds, ruffs and king eiders and all kinds of stuff. Um, but Ross's gull is is the dream bird there. Mm-hmm. And a famous place uh, finishes the list here, especially for fall for sea watching. Cape May, New Jersey. Yeah, Cape May doesn't need any extra press. They're doing just fine. <laughs> but I had to put it in there because it really is one of the best sea watches. Uh, in the country, especially in the fall, uh, you get huge, huge million uh, bird days of different species, um, all kinds of birds streaming south uh, past the Sea Watch there from uh, from Avalon. All right. Great places to Sea Watch. See all the birds out there in the ocean without having to go on the boat and all that uh, is entailed therein. Mass uh, Maine Audubon's Nick Lund. Look for his great bits about birds at audubon.org and at thebirdist.com. That's audubon.org and thebirdist.com. Nick, thank you, and Happy New Year. Thank you, Ray. Happy New Year. See you in 2020. All right. Nick Lund there right. on Talking Birds, and up next, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. What's one of your favorite memories? Hmm, let's see... Well, there was this one time I went snorkeling in the Caribbean when I was a kid. It really just blew my mind. I mean, when you're sitting on the beach, it's so peaceful, and you sort of forget there's a whole other world under there, just full of all kinds of life. We saw the most beautiful corals. I remember thinking they were waving at us as they moved with the ocean. 
And then there were all these amazing fish. They kind of reminded me of tropical birds. They were so bright and colorful, just darting all over the place like birds in the sky. I'll never forget it. It completely changed the way I look at the ocean. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Birdwatchers Digest. Birdwatchers Digest is much more than a magazine. Explore their publications, events, online birding store, and birding tours at birdwatchersdigest.com. We're hearing the sound of our mystery bird. A medium-sized perching bird with a black barred brown back, a black tail, and a white rump. Its underwings are yellow in the eastern form and red-orange in the western form. There's some pretty powerful clues there. Our bird can hammer on trees till the sun goes down but prefers to find its food on the ground. Ants are our favorite. That's our mystery bird. Beautiful prizes, including the Droll Yankees' original iconic A6F classic tube feeder, featuring durable metal parts that squirrels can't chew. In fact, it's backed by a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. Bonus prizes. The app that makes learning bird sounds a game. That's the LarkWire app. If you have an iPhone, you can get the download to your iOS uh, situation there, your iPhone. Or if you don't have an iPhone, you have uh, an Android or no phone at all, you can get access online to the LarkWire app. And another bonus prize for the season, your very own Cornell Lab of Ornithology 2020 calendar, a year with the birds. All the prizes here on our Mystery Bird Contest the number is 781-837-4900. That is 781-837-4900. Don't hesitate with your call or guess. Uh, a not-quite-correct answer could still be a winner uh, if we don't get the exactly correct answer. 781-837-4900 is the number. Meanwhile, did you maybe get some binoculars for Christmas? Mike O'Connor from the famous Bird Watchers General Store has some tips on how best to use them. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. We're for the birds, and we want to say thanks to another Talkin' Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about our show and about birds in conservation. My name is Isabella Boudelette, and I am calling from Alamosa, Colorado. I would encourage other listeners to become Talkin' Birds ambassadors so that they can bring their excitement and love for birds and birding and what birds and birding do for them in their lives to others that they care about. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. It's easy to do. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage and then choose the Become an Ambassador option at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks. Down to the Bird Watchers General Store. Mike O'Connor is down there. Just, uh, I don't know if he's uh, taken down the Christmas tree yet, but underneath yours maybe this year was... A pair of binoculars, and Mike has some ideas on how to actually see through them and that kind of thing, which is kind of important. Good morning, Mike. 
Yeah, good morning, Ray. Yeah, a lot of times people get binoculars as a gift, and it might be their first pair, which is really cool. But a lot of people don't really know how, a surprisingly number of people don't know how to use them. Yeah. I, I advise people all day long. And here's a couple of quick tips of advice. If you got your first pair of binoculars, or maybe it's a pair that you're still, you're not really comfortable with yet. Number one, Binoculars are made out of lenses and glass prisms, so don't drop them. They don't like to be dropped. Yeah. Treat them really gingerly. They they just don't like to be dropped because it's all these lenses and prisms are critically aligned to give you the crisp image. And if you let them fall off the roof of your car, you won't, they won't be any good to you anymore. So never put them on the roof of your car because no matter what you say, you'll forget them yeah. and you'll drive away. Um, Put them on the hood, then you can see them, then you won't drive oh, yeah, Put them on your windshield, exactly. Yeah. If you're going to take, you know, take your jacket off or something, get a cup of coffee, put them right there um, on your windshield. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of them come with lens covers. That People seem to get obsessed over that. A lot of birds don't like lens covers. They get in yeah. their way. A lot of times seeing a bird is like a nanosecond. You've got to get there quickly. You can't be fussing with taking two, three, four lens covers off. So if, if, you know, that's a personal decision, but I throw mine away right away because I can't be messing with that. So if you're having trouble with the lens covers, it's okay to get rid of them. A lot of people don't worry about that. There's, um, there's two barrels. Binoculars typically have two barrels with a hinge in the middle, and you bend them in and out because you want to get a nice round circle. You know, you know in the movies when they show somebody looking through binoculars and you get like that sideways eight thing, like two circles? Yeah. That's not what binoculars look like. I don't know why Hollywood decided that, what they look like. They don't look like that. It's a nice round circle. So when you use binoculars, you bend them back and forth to line up with your eyes. And if you see two circles, there's something wrong with your binoculars. And most binoculars now, they come with eye cups that twist down. Most of the new binoculars have these to help you with uh, eyeglasses. So the eyeglass, whereas because the eyeglasses keep the binoculars away from your eyes, there's an adjustment by twisting these eye cups down. And I, I know you can see my hand motion while I'm doing it. I see it there, yeah. Looks great, yeah, Mike. Looks great. Tim, Tim likes it too, <laughs> so yeah. You, you twist them down, and that gets them closer. And if you don't wear eyeglasses or you wear contacts, then you keep those up. And they should be up or down. Sometimes people... And especially if you let a friend borrow them, they get confused and they twist them. They think they're a focus. They should be up or they should be down. There shouldn't be one up or there, sh there shouldn't be one down. And can you, in about 15 seconds, Mike, tell us about the technique so that you see a bird and how do you get your glasses on it? Okay, that's, that's, that's the trickiest thing for, for people. The first thing you do, if you see a bird, keep your head still. Keep your eyes on the bird and then just put the binoculars in the way. Don't look down and then try to find it again. Look up and your eyes should be right on it. But also keep in your mind's eye what that bird is around. If it's on the chimney of a house or if it's on a rose bush, you don't necessarily have to find the bird, but just find the rose bush or find the pine cone or the crux of the tree where it's next to. Look for a larger target in your eye that you see and then move it right to the bird. All right, top quality advice. Thank you, Mike. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll Happy see you at Times Square. Talk to you in 2020. Mike O'Connor down there at the famous Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Back to the Mystery Bird Contest right after this. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter.
Back to the mystery bird contest. We just said we were going to do that, and we are. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized perching bird with a black-barred brown back, a black tail, and a white rump. Its underwings are yellow in the eastern form, red-orange in the western form. Our bird can hammer on trees, but prefers to find its food on the ground, especially ants. They, they like ants a lot. Uh, what is that mystery bird? Beautiful prizes available here. 781-837-4900 is the number. Angela is in McVeigh Town, Pennsylvania. Good morning, Angela. Good morning. Good morning. I have to admit, that's a new one on me, McVeigh Town, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's about 45 minutes southwest of State College. All right. Well, what do you think the mystery bird is, Angela? It is a common flicker. A common flicker, uh, Tim. Oh, oh, she's I, oh, yeah, it's so it's close. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, two trumpets <laughs> going there for a second. Uh, Old bands jumping very in. Very close. If no one gets closer, then uh, that would probably make you a winner, Angela. If it's okay, okay with Tim, yeah. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Angela. Try us again too. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Let's go mm, to West, somewhere in Northern Virginia. Good morning, Wes. Hey, Ray. It's Russ. Oh, it's it's Russ. Oh, sorry. It says West. Sorry, I misheard. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. My okay. bad. My bad. Uh, it's all our bad. Okay. All right, Russ. What do you think on the mystery bird will make it good if you have the right answer? I saw one kayaking yesterday. It's a northern flicker, right? Wow. I've I didn't know they could kayak, but that is really cool. <laughs> they can do a lot of things. <laughs> Russ, thank you so much. Thank stay, you, Ray. Stay on the line. Thanks to our Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, and our producing engineer, Tim McKinney. I'm Ray Brown. Happy New Year. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Why not take a break from the holiday madness for a free walk with us? Ocean State Bird Club features year-round walks, lectures, informal gatherings, and more. We're online at www.oceanstatebirdclub.org and Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club.